So I mm -hmm. know how the Kardashians convert. I know what product ca categories they convert better. I know who's the better converter. Chloe Kardashian actually converts better. Really? Um, yeah. But but it's all wow. based on why is that? Uh, it's not a why. I don't know why, but she 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 transacts better than Kim does, but Kim has more followers. Wow. So transacting and conversion doesn't necessarily mean they're mm -hmm. going to make you more money. Welcome to the latest episode of Decoded, where the most intriguing people in business, finance, and investing share insights that we can apply to our own lives. Today, Ryan Pallotta is talking with Jackie Fast, founder and managing partner at Sandbox Studios. Sandbox is a unique fund that invests exclusively in talent-led businesses at the seed stage. Jack is also the author of Rule Breaker, Rebellious Leadership for the Future of Work. In their chat, Jackie explains how she saw the opportunity to disrupt how celebrity-endorsed deals are put together and executed. Jackie goes on to describe how the objectives of a brand and talent need to be aligned to draw consumers to that brand long-term. Ryan and Jackie then touch upon the uptick in celebrities doing deals and the prospect of saturation in this area. Lastly, Jackie gives us her take on what the space will look like in the years ahead. Our podcast with Jackie Fast reminds us that listening to ideas and insights from the industry's brightest minds can transform how we think about investing. You'll get that same feeling every time you open up the Prometheus app. At Prometheus, you can learn directly from top financial professionals and access the funds they manage more easily than ever before. Go to our website, prometheusalts.com, and get started today. And now, enjoy our talk with Jackie Fast. Jackie, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited. It's so such a small world. We actually met not a little while ago, and we were at Soul House talking about celebrity uh, investing, celebrity venture, and you mentioned what you do. I'd love for you to tell our audience a little bit more about Sandbox Studios, how you guys operate, and how you guys invest and choose your investments. For sure. So Sandbox Studios is the only fund at the moment of its kind. Uh, we are a $30 million fund based here in LA, and we exclusively invest in talent-led businesses at seed stage. So what that means is it's like your Casamigos, Aviation Gins, Goop, Honest Company. Those are all businesses launched by celebrities or the face of the companies uh, traditionally. Um, but it also would include stuff like Cameo. So Cameo is not owned by a celebrity, but it's still talent-led mm -hmm. because the product itself is talent. So we kind of fit in that really currently niche area of talent led mm. and that's all we do what was it about that kind of segment of investing in talent led businesses that drew your attention to it did you see what was happening with the creator culture like even 10 years ago when you started seeing the kardashians get involved so i founded a company called slingshot sponsorship in london in 2010 what slingshot did is very high level very um sophisticated partnerships with uh, ip rights so that included celebrities but it included stuff like formula one um and the chelsea football club and the nfl for instance and we did about half a billion dollars there and it during that period equity is a really interesting conversation because those conversations were happening, but traditionally it doesn't work. So the talent manager and the talent in question really want to get paid. And even at Slingshot, our big paycheck wasn't the high retainers, which we did have high retainers, but it really was the commission. You know, when we did a $10 million deal, 
we got 15% of that. And so um, if you oh, look wow. at the way that things work now, of course, startups want to use talent. But back in those days and previous to that, you'd be looking at at least half a million dollars on an appearance fee and then probably two million on a rollout in terms of uh, like international yeah. IP rights. Now, like amazing products can get access to this talent for effectively free. Of course, it comes with equity. But that was always a desire. The pushback has always been the agents. Um, and the talent probably would always be yeah. up for it, but the agents don't get paid. And so it's not in anybody's best interest to do these kind of equity deals. When George Clooney sold Casamigos in 2017, that really changed the game. Everybody was like, oh, look, at, if George can do that, why can't I make a billion dollars? I've got more followers than him. You know, I was also on ER or whatever yeah. the case is. And so it's... <laughs> It was just so in your face. You know, you could argue uh, Dr. Dre did that, but that was really interesting because that was really Jimmy Iovine and he like really pushed it in his network. So these these deals like, um, you know, 50 Cent did vitamin water. They felt like one-offs. They felt like outliers. When George Clooney did it, it was almost like, Everybody could do it. And there really was a massive shift in the industry. So um, to, to your mm -hmm. question, initial question, I have been doing this my entire career. I spotted this way before anybody else spotted it. And I've always been kind of looking at how consumers interact with brands and fans uh, from the beginning of my career, from even pre, this dates back to pre-slingshot. And you could literally go online and hear me talking about this stuff like way back in like 2012. Um, but it really hasn't wow. come to fruition until now because there just hasn't been the drive from talent to do this kind of stuff. And now that there is that drive and now that the agents of the world mm -hmm. are not like, WME and CAA, and they want to do these types of things, but they're not getting paid. And businesses like that have very small margins, and they can't really afford to have 50 people working on all of their clients to help them source deals. So what yeah. is inevitably happening is like talent is doing it themselves. Celebs are like DMing products to try to get in the door. Um, and it opens up a really huge opportunity for somebody, somebody like me to capitalize on it. So um, I have a very long history working with talent. I have a very um, well-respected career in doing these kind of deals um, at a very, very high level. The difference really is, is that historically I've been doing it through a marketing agency, my own agency, but still a service-based mm -hmm. business. Now we just throw capital at it. I love that. I love that you just mentioned the Jimmy Iovine Beats by Dre. I, my, I started my career directing music videos for artists like Rihanna, Drake, Demi Lovato, Shawn Mendes. And I remember on anything that we did that was for Jimmy Iovine's label, we had to put beats in it. I yeah. had to find some creative way to put beats in the video. And in the, I think there was a documentary about this recently where Jimmy would take beats everywhere he went, throw them on every celebrity he met, take a picture. Yeah. He was like one of the first guys to start doing that. And, and it seems like this happened kind of concurrently as social started blowing up. All of a sudden you started seeing all these celebrity brands getting more access to this. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts though on this intangible difference between a celebrity backed brand and a content creators backed brand? And do you think there's a difference in the way that they create a product? For example, someone like a Kylie Jenner, who's a content creator, she's posting a lot. She's not like a traditional celebrity, like a Chris Hemsworth. Do you think that the way that they pr approach creating like a Mr. Beast creates a brand versus a George Clooney creates a brand? Is there a different way that they speak to that customer and the way that they build what they're building? So I will probably be one of the first people to say that influencers are incredibly powerful if used in the right way. We are a venture fund and with that come certain kind of terms and restrictions. And most of that is the term. So um, our fund, much like most venture funds, is a 10-year term. I think the issue and the risk with in 
investing within influencers and businesses is that I am not sure what platform will be the most popular in five years time and 10 years Mm -hmm. time. And if you would have told me 15 years ago, 10 years ago, eight years ago, even that people would be sitting on Twitch, watching people play video games for eight hours a day, I would have said, you're crazy. Um, And so I'm very, (laughs) very good at what I do. I'm very good at spotting good opportunities, making both partnerships work towards a goal. What I am not is a futurist and I'm not a futurist in social media, in digital content creation, et cetera. And so you never really see an overlap, you know, somebody big on TikTok is not big on YouTube. Somebody big on YouTube is not big on Twitch. Somebody big on Twitch is not big on, you know, whatever web three NFTs. And so I personally wouldn't, the bar would be so much higher for us to invest in an influencer because of that. Um, But again, to, to my original point, I think they're incredibly powerful and they have a really engaged audience. Kylie Jenner is different because Kylie is an influencer. Like you said, she is kind of a content creator, but truthfully, she has a TV show. She is a platform and a TV yeah, show. She's a little bit more of a celebrity. It yeah. is exactly like the the reason that they are influencers is because they had a TV show. The the method yeah. of television uh, and broadcast and sports stars and movies that translates. So if you are Robert Downey Jr., for instance, you know he's going to be in the next like trilogy of like the next Iron Man. Mm-hmm. He's going to be on your screen for the next seven years, whether you watch that screen in Web three. Or you watch that at home on your iPhone. Mm-hmm. He's going to be there. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. We're changing our perception of what it means to be a celebrity as well. Like where typically our celebrity was like the Brad Pitts, Tom Cruise's, you know, Angelina Jolie's. And now we're seeing this more access to people. And do you, and I think, do you think that the fact that some of these celebrities are getting better at creating content with their socials, they're, you know, being able to, people feel like they they're more tangible, they can see a bit behind into their lives, is that making them more powerful when it comes to creating a product or a brand? A hundred percent. And actually most of the kind of with it celebrities have like teams of people. I was just speaking to somebody else who just secured uh, an A-list girl based in LA around my age, but she's got six people that do her social. And like most people don't know that she has six people that run her social media account. Like she's not posting. Um, And so (laughs) those kind of celebs that get that realize it can be an extension and really it's a profit center. Like that's the whole point, right? So it's all well and good that they're celebrities, but if you can make money on the side doing something without any more work, of course you're going to do that. Well, everybody would do that. That's Mm -hmm. like a human thing. What do you look for when you are looking at a celebrity-backed brand? Does it matter the alignment to the product that they are backing or the pro- brand that they're backing? Like, for example, I did some work with Sean Mendes in my career. He created and invested in uh, water called Flow Water. It aligned with him, he felt, because of his, you know, he drinks eco water. consciousness. <laughs> he drinks water. He, he wanted to make more eco-friendly <laughs> packaging. I think that worked well with him. We could sell people on that. But what do you think about how a celebrity just throws himself at a product? I think the George Clooney angle worked really well because um, Meldman, who was one of the original, you know, founders of that product, took. He's the, he's yeah, the, he's the he's, reason he's that success. Like I, I use Casamigos as a thing because everybody knows about Casamigos. But like I will. I mean, no offense to George. I think it still would have been as successful without him because of Mike. Truthfully. Yeah. And Mike, Mike knew golf courses, he knew hospitality. He took those guys to Mexico from what I hear from some of the people that work with them. And they shot two years worth of content of the guys riding around Mexico on motorcycles, cutting up agave plants. And when you see those guys, it just becomes like this lifestyle brand more so than just a tequila brand. When you compare it to other brands, it's like having a bottle of Casamigos, even though it's only 45 bucks, gives you like this status symbol. 
and it, and it works well with George Clooney because you get that you buy into that lifestyle of George Clooney, the lifestyle that Meldman was selling with his golf courses and resorts at El Dorado. How do you like to look at how a celebrity builds or works on a product? Should it align with their values and their goals? So, I mean, of course, and authenticity. I think customers are getting more clever. Like you're, they're just super, super savvy. Saying that, um, there are ways that you can align objectives. So for me, um, aligning values is important. It's not as important as a, as aligning objectives. So when you are a sports star, musician, or actor, typically those people want to continue being very good sports stars, musicians, and actors. That is always going to be the fundamental thing mm -hmm. that they're trying to do. Unless they like legit are trying to give up their day job and or don't get the roles that they want, like Ala Jessica Alba. Um, and so yeah. like, you know, when you are in that, you have to appreciate and understand that it is always a side hustle for them. Even if they like to drink water, it's always going to be a side hustle. <laughs> so how do you create a structure that gets them wanting to support the brand? And that is about aligning objectives. So a lot of the things that we look at beyond authenticity, which I think is just like the obvious, that's like table stakes, is, is the contract set up in such a way that allows for the person in question to continually drive value to the brand over the long term. And there's a lot of different ways that you can skin a cat. Um, and it really depends on mm. the founding team. It depends on the talents team. It depends on where their skill set is best light. Ryan Reynolds is an expert at this. Ryan is very, very smart. He's a great writer. He's super good at creative. And he's like, you're every man. He's not, but he, he, really does feel like it. Like he pulls <laughs> jokes on his friends, yeah. right? And he puts that on Instagram and like, he like, he's like your, he's like your guy's guy. And he utilizes that to create content that is funny and enticing. And it, it's to a specific audience, right? Then if you do that yeah. kind of thing and you take advantage of where they're really, really good, then, then it becomes mm -hmm. something special, but it, it's very hard to do. And like I said, in, you know, it is an art form. I have been doing this for 20 years. I think my first client was my first celebrity client was Prince the musician, and that was Baptism by Fire oh, wow. because Prince is every and he's like very well known um, for this, but he is such a creative. He doesn't care about money at all. So when you are somebody like me who's in charge of all of the commercial deals and making him an X amount of money over a year over the time when he doesn't want to turn up to any of the things, unless it's like <laughs> you, that's difficult. Yeah, you have to figure out how you're going to get him there because if it's not money. I had to really think yeah. very hard and work very strategically of like how to get him to love to do this. And you know what he cares about? He cares about artists. He cares about musicians. He cares about Aquaman. And so everything we did was based on that because that's what he cared about. And so you have to really be smart about how you create an effective partnership. And it's not like just slapping somebody's face on something just because they have distribution channel and they their values align. Like I think you definitely should do that, but it's so much more challenging than that truthfully yeah i think that's interesting what you mentioned about ryan reynolds we had we spoke to i think the ceo of his um venture fund chris blum and you know one thing that he mentioned about ryan was that he's almost considers himself more of a businessman than an actor he has such a passion for business that he just loves creating these companies and creating these products and he's been able to create like a really great ecosystem where he uses his wit and his humor to make incredible ads that are so timely and relevant that really make his products go viral whenever he invests in something. So um, super interesting to see how like the right alignment. What, what do you like to see in a brand? Like, can you talk about some of the investment theses that you've had recently and what you like to 
look for when you're looking for a celebrity-backed business? For sure. Um, what can I talk about? I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about one that comes out in <laughs> December. That's a skincare with a very large musician, but I can't name that one. Um, one of our recent deals actually is Invisible Universe, which is an animation studio with Alexis Ohanian, oh, Serena wow. Williams, Jennifer Aniston, uh, Carly Kloss, and the D'Amelio family as well. And that's really fascinating because what happened is uh, Serena Williams and Alexis Ohanian's daughter has have a social media. They, she has a doll called Quay Quay. And uh, she used mm. to drag Quay Quay like everywhere. And it's hilarious. Like they'd be out for dinner and Quay Quay would be like all like dirty. And she'd be like sitting and she, her face would be in a bowl of soup because the daughter just didn't <laughs> care. But the, the doll had to come everywhere. And they started taking pictures of this doll and it blew up on social media. And some Snapchat and Nickelodeon execs saw it. And they approached them to buy the um the the Instagram account and rather than buy it so, oh, wow. or rather than sell it Serena and Alexis you know they're very very clever people decided to partner with them and then they started taking this model of using very very big celebrities so Jennifer Aniston loves dogs she's a, like loves her dog and so they created a character called Clydeo and Clydeo is like the cousin oh, wow. of Jennifer Aniston's dog that's like flown in but he's like super lazy and lives at Jennifer's house and they all have these in independent IP profiles but then what they do is they go and they utilize these profiles and launch them out in merchandise and short form and long form content uh the adventures of quay quay is coming out as a book um next week i believe 20 27th of september mm -hmm. go on go online and get it amazon was their lead investor so you're going to start seeing merch come out of all of these types of characters that uh, you know that kind of gets disseminated down but you're building characters on social media rather than the traditional means of like disney and mattel well, I love that. Yeah, Alex is obviously a very, Alexis is a very smart guy, founder of Reddit. He really knows how to capitalize on creating content. And are you, are you seeing a lot more of the, the celebrities use their, what they love to do? Like, you know, obviously you mentioned that they love dogs, love the content that they created on their daughter's Instagram account. Uh, are you seeing more of them utilize what they love to create for their families and then try to build businesses around that? I think that there is an inherent, I think most, so just like consumers are not stupid, um, celebrities are not stupid mm -hmm. either. I think, I think that they know that if Jennifer Aniston was all of a sudden like slugging a hot sauce everywhere with her, that looked a bit, <laughs> you know, it look, it look oh, a God. little bit questionable. And also I think yeah. that they know that it needs to be on brand. So uh, the one thing with actors, especially like their career path is kind of planned out because you don't want to get stale, right? You want to get jobs and roles mm. that continue to drive and entice you. And there is a strategy that you work with your business managers of what, which roles to take and which roles not to take. The same can be said about equity deals and businesses that you're fronting. And I think there should be a really clear plan of doing that, but not every celebrity is as sophisticated and, or has the right type, like type of advice and advisory around them to help mm. them guide them in that way. But I think ideally that's what everybody wants, you know? How do you weigh consumer packaged goods with products that are more like SaaS based or software based um, and how they're led by celebrities? You know, CPG products are pretty difficult in saturated markets versus celebrities that may get involved in software companies like Cameo. Um, how do you weigh that as an investor? So CPG, the whole reason that talent works well with CPG and specifically it's like undifferentiated CPC, CPG. Alcohol is great. Um, alcohol is a really great product to align with because most people are price sensitive. 
with alcohol. You know, they, they definitely have their, like, they like a Casamigos, but I can tell you right now, if Casamigos was like $95, you probably wouldn't see the same kind of sales that you see with it mm -hmm. being 45. And so alcohol on shelves is a really great way to distinct, distinguish it and get the standout. But it, the same can be said for like snacks, water, shoes, apparel. Mm -hmm. These are things that most of us don't really care about the product differentiation because there isn't a lot of differentiation in those products. Um, however, from an investor standpoint, CPG is harder to get right. So if you are an investor in a SaaS company or a tech startup, like the whole aim really is to invest early and invest in a lot because you actually have the capability of having huge, huge returns. CPG is different mm -hmm. because it's based on manufacturing and there's an actual tangible product there. You typically won't lose lose your money if you're making good investments, but you're probably not going to see a 200x unless you get in very, very early. So our our portfolio is very balanced. Um, to I mentioned the animation company that we've got with Alexis Ohanian and Serena Williams. Um, we also have an NFT company. Um, Sean Mendes, actually, funny enough, is one of the investors, but it's oh, in amazing. partnership with Dapper Labs. Is that Genies? Uh, it's on, is it's unblocked. Genies? Unblocked with the founding team okay. of TikTok. So um, yeah, it's, it's based here in LA. It's incredible. They're doing incredibly well. What they do is they're effectively like Shopify for Web3. So they work with brands, they work oh, with wow. talent, and you can basically go in and you don't need to build the whole back end. They've spent a lot of time on the engineering process of being able to onboard clients at scale, which uh, Dapper Labs hasn't been able to do. They did NBA Top Shot and loved it and that went really well. And now that. they have so many leads that they don't know what to do with because every product and every project for Dapper Labs is a whole new thing. What Unblock did mm -hmm. in partnership, again, Dapper Labs is one of the investors of Unblock, is it, it built the platform. So you could do, you could go and mint your own F NFTs. If I wanted to kind of NFT this conversation oh, wow. or whatever, you have the platform to be able to do that for like pennies on the dollar. How would a celebrity back something like that? And how would they use their name, face, recognition to build something like that? That was going to lead into my next question, which was how are you guys approaching Web3 and blockchain with your investments? So NFT specifically in Web3 are a really nice conduit. So remember that celebrity, the whole thing about celebrities and especially investing with celebrities and in celebrities is access to new customers. And who is more likely mm -hmm. going to buy your thing hot sauce or water or whatever it is, uh, then fans, you know what I mean? Like, so fandom and fans take it one step further. And uh, Web3 is a really great opportunity because it allows you to track that. So let's, I mean, we're talking about Sean Mendes. Sean Mendes is really good. Sean Mendes is putting out all of his content on Unblocked moving forward in terms of his album and doing exclusive like meet and greets, et cetera. But Sean doesn't mm. really know who his number one fan is. You know, he can, he can find out kind of who's really like obsessed with him on Twitter, but we can't know if he's listened to that album a million and three times or three times with web three and the blockchain specifically, you actually have like an ownership thing. So I can actually see if somebody's interacted with Sean in Asia or bought his hat in LA oh, wow. and then tracked, then went, maybe went down to his like meet and greet in Austin. And all of those are independent events, but they're all connected by the blockchain. If you put out all of the releases and the tickets, etc., So you can literally find the individual, mm -hmm. the number one Sean Mendes fan via blockchain. And that is incredibly powerful. Yeah, I was going to ask, that was leading to my next question. You're really good at this. How do you use technology? Are there any sort of technological advancements that you're using like the blockchain to size and position bets or to approach investing? Are you looking at engagement on socials? Like if 
you know, X celebrity gets 5,000 comments versus someone who only gets 2,000 comments? How are you looking at celebrity engagement and how much power they actually have? Because there are some celebrities out there that I don't think they, they might be a huge celebrity that is in great movies, but I don't, I can't see them building a product. Like I don't see Chris Pine going and maybe building his own brand of something, but maybe he is. But like, how do you look at which celebrity is going to be a powerful celebrity to put behind a brand? So that is a varied question um, because it's, it's not just like the person, it's the person and the product. So like, it, like mm. again, going to the hot sauce, oh, Jennifer Aniston isn't a good person to use, but let's take somebody who transacts really well. Let's use a Kardashian, for instance. They probably could yeah. do a hot sauce, but um, a Kardashian- They could do anything, probably. Yeah, probably could. Um, but basically, let's put something really way out there for a Kardashian. Men's shoes. So- Let's say Kim mm. Kardashian all of a sudden starts promoting men's shoes. The metrics on her promoting men's shoes or her promoting underwear are very different. Those conversion rates, you cannot necessarily cross over. But what's interesting and what why the value of Sandbox is really the data that we've gathered over 20 years at Slingshot. So I mm. know how the Kardashians convert. I know what product ca categories they convert better. I know who's the better converter. Khloe Kardashian actually converts better. Really? Um, yeah. But but it's all wow. based on why is that? Uh, it's not a why. I don't know why. But she 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 transacts better than Kim does. But Kim has more followers. Wow. So transacting and conversion doesn't necessarily mean they're going to mm -hmm. make you more money, right? Hmm, so like yeah. there's there's a lot of things you've got. I know recently Kendall did a toothpaste that didn't do too well. She did a toothpaste a while ago that I think it was called Moon. Moon. That um, Moon's doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, oh, nice. Okay. Uh, but uh, the but the, anyways, all of the Kardashians have different engagement metrics. Another thing that we looked at that I really love, we didn't make an investment in is Outset. So Scarlett Johansson just launched a skincare brand. I really like the products. But interesting with Scarlett, she's not on social media. Now, does that mean yeah. that that's a bad investment? Not necessarily, because if the strategy for the brand is to use her face in recognizable positions where people then would actually convert their dollars, then it's it's fine. But if if the whole thing relies on a D to C metric and they're hoping that the, most of their numbers are coming online organically, then it's not a good strategy. So there's more things to consider than just like how big is your audience. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And how do you, so you guys do look at a, a lot of different variables. Yeah. How do you think something like, for example, Kendall Jenner's tequila, for example, I see every single girl in the city walking around with an 818 tequila tote bag now. So that's kind of like a perfect example, maybe of someone who's aligned with a demographic that loves to drink a tequila based on their favorite celebrity. So again, like it, these things are really hard to tease out just because you see a lot of girls walking around with an 818 tote bag does not mean that those girls are buying eight one eight. So like, yeah. and to, to be honest, the demographic for eight one eight isn't actually that demographic. So it doesn't mean that it's not really? successful. And, um, actually I just had dinner with the, the person that incubated eight one eight, uh, the other night, but they, there, are, when working with talent, there are more metrics to consider than just like, is she young and fun? And are we after young, fun, hit person? Um, and there are, there are other, especially with alcohol, there's like systems in place and you have to get sign off and distribution and suppliers. And there's more things mm -hmm. in play than like, is, is like it, the question is also like, do we need another tequila? Like, what is this? Yeah. Thing? You know? <laughs> There's a lot of tequilas. There's a lot, yeah. there's Even a lot. Uh, Nick Jonas, I think, has a tequila with John Varvatos. Joe, the, Joe Jonas just came out with a sparkling sangria. 
um, called Ode. <laughs> uh, yeah. But like, there's a there's a lot of this. We I very very like they invested in a popcorn. Yeah, they, they they I think they have a popcorn as well. Like yeah, they've yeah. done a lot of stuff. Yeah, and um, I mean, I just had uh, a coffee with the guy who basically said like, I think it's just peak saturation right now. We're like not even scratching the iceberg or, or like the tip of the iceberg. I have started. We started looking at deals in September of last year. We've seen two hundred and forty three talent led deals raising capital this isn't 243 deals wow. generally raising capital and these are all going to be wow. coming out in the next year so like can you talk a little bit about that can you add some color to that maybe like what are the some of the numbers that are going on right now you're seeing a, a huge increase in the amount of celebrities raising capital how has that changed in the last couple of years and like, how are you seeing, so you're not, you're not worried about saturation of celebrity backed brands. No. Um, so in terms of the data set that we've got, even in the last quarter, we have probably seen double the amount of deals. And that's not wow. because there's more deals in the last quarter. It's because there's more celebrities doing deals. Um, the, some mm -hmm. of the crazy stories that I've had, I mean, we looked at a vitamin recently and they had a really interesting celeb and I just couldn't understand the overlap between this nutritionist and the celeb that they had in question. And I just like, like, how did you get this person? And she said, Oh, she DM'd me. I was like, oh, wow. I was like, <laughs> that's, it's insane. Um, so like, I can't stress mm -hmm. enough the desire for talent to get involved and start investing without capital and using their reach and influence is uh -huh. insane and the desire for wow. founders to reach new audiences without paying the extortionate fees that facebook google and tiktok charge is insane and you combine that you have a huge amount of deals the issue isn't are there lots of deals the issue is like how do you sort through the deals and how do you sort through the deals so again, we've got a. How do you personally? Yeah, we have a proprietary software um, and and system. So every deal that we put through, we have basically six criteria that we look at, and everything has a weighted average. Um, some things are weighted heavily, more heavily than others. One of the things that we look at is value add, but another thing is talent and the metrics that I was talking to you about. A lot of people don't know mm -hmm. the conversion metrics for most of the talent out there. We have twenty years of history on this stuff. Um, I know oh, wow. what kind of sectors. Um, convert. I know who works harder. I know what teams. I know all of those things that all, no, no venture capital has access to because there aren't marketing agencies involved with venture capital. Like that's the truth. You know, yeah. they, they might have some like reach and performance marketing and influencer. There's loads and loads of data on influencer marketing, but there's not a lot of data on A-listers. And I just happened to work in the very niche thing at Slingshot where we worked with the biggest <laughs> talent in the world doing this kind of stuff. It was, it's just a very happenstance that I'm like one of the very few people in the world who ha has yeah. created all of this because I led this at Slingshot. I love your passion for it. And what I also think is interesting is how unique what you guys do is putting like almost an exact science to something that's so intangible. For sure. When you talk about what celebrity really means and what draws people to a celebrity and what their demographics are and what encourages people to buy a product, it's sometimes very hard to put your finger on. And you guys have created almost an algorithm, a data set around what that is. Do you think that some of this desire to have more celebrity backed brands has something to do as well with it's harder for brands to even advertise to customers these days with a decrease in paid social. I can't just throw ads for my CPG product on, um, you know, Facebook, Google, um, you know, and try to and get and convert, especially with what Apple did recently with limiting how I can retarget consumers. Is that making it more important than ever to pair with 
celebrities, they can get your message out easy more now. It's not just important. It's the only other option. Like going back to the hot sauce example, again, if you and I owned a hot sauce, <laughs> you love hot sauce. <laughs> if you and I owned a hot sauce and we like, let's say we're selling our hot sauce for five bucks. Let's just call it 50%. So we've got two, we can spend 2.5 cents right, if we don't get paid on advertising. You can't even get a cost of ads on that kind of metric without doing insane volumes. How do you do insane yeah. volumes? You can't. So there is no other option. Like the the whole reason that this is happening is it's it's impossible to reach. So in, in a way, it's like advertising is reversed. So I kind of mentioned to you, of course, there's all these deals with celebrities that have been like celebrities endorsing stuff is not new. That's been going on for hundreds of years. Um, but being able to mm -hmm. use them is different. So historically, you had to pay celebrities lots of money and you could use them as the thing. And now and then you would use that on above the line advertising. Now, D to C is so expensive. You can't do that. And so now they have to use their audience because there's nowhere to market to. So the way that I keep trying to explain this to investors is take the celebrity out of it. Like take the fancy face and the fancy Kardashians, all, take all the stuff about what you think celebrity is and just look at it as route to market. If that's all you do is just look at, because where are customers? They're not listening to the radio. They're not reading newspapers. Mm -hmm. They're not watching TV. They're not reading ads. They don't trust ads. How the hell yeah. do you get your product noticed? There is no other option. I can't remember the last time I've seen a commercial, a 30-second commercial between a TV show. I don't even have cable, so I wouldn't get commercials anyways now. Uh, there's, I don't understand how you would get your product out there. You, you can't. So this, if you look at it as a means of distribution, it is the next wave. And so when I was talking about mm -hmm. this guy with saturation, it's not, it's not even started. Like this is like the new wave of a next marketing medium. And then how you utilize that marketing medium is what's going to stand out the brands. How do you think globalization maybe changed this? And then also this idea that I remember like, you know, in the nineties and 2000, early two thousands, there was like a stigma around celebrities doing commercials for products because they would even go to like Japan where no one was ever going to see the commercial and do a gene commercial. And Brad Pitt would do a commercial in Italy for coffee that no one was ever going to see or George Clooney doing like Nespresso ads for Europe that no one in America saw. There was a stigma against celebrities doing commercials as much. Now it seems like that's not a thing. I see Matthew McConaughey doing a Lincoln commercial and no one cares. Uh, do you, how much of this change in, in culture has comes from the la this like idea of a, an actor can't do branded content? I think that there is a shift in terms of, I think again, it's like, it's the savviness of customers, right? So when Matthew McConaughey is doing like the Lincoln commercial 10, 15 years ago, like you kind of already think like he doesn't really drive a Lincoln. Like, why would I want to buy it? Like, <laughs> but the thing is, it'll make you remember it. And I think now you have to think, I still think there's probably a disdain for celebrities owning brands. And I still think that most people might not care that it's, but like, you know, if you like Matthew, great. If you don't, that is like kind of a moot point. Like it's not really part mm -hmm. of the point. Like the point is you're reaching Matthew McConaughey's most valued fans. And you use that as a, like as a springboard into other people. So the, the strategy, mm -hmm. the, the celebrity strategy that you should employ or deploy is that it is a, it's like the television ad. Like you want to get awareness of a product. Hopefully you buy the product and you love it so much. You tell me, I might not know that that's Matthew McConaughey's brand, 
but I found it because of you. Yeah. And so if you're thinking that celebrities are going to make you a billion dollars and they're going to be the people and it's only their reach that's going to sell your product, that's not the right strategy and that doesn't work to the point that you had because most people don't like being sold to, you know? Yeah. Kind of goes to my next question. Can you tell me what you think about the difference between a celebrity owned brand versus celebrity endorsed brand? Like for example, if I'm going to see Tom Brady wearing a pair of Beats headphones versus a pair of headphones that Tom Brady created himself, like how do you look at the two different types of celebrity backed products? I think you'd be surprised at the answer, but it doesn't make a difference. Um, Oh, wow. The point of owning is in principle, that the celebrity in question should feel more involved with the brand and therefore be more interested in supporting the brand. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter in practice if you know what you're doing. So going back to my Prince example, I don't need a celebrity to own a brand for me to get the celebrity to do all the things I needed to do for a brand building perspective. (laughs) I don't, but founders do. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't need that. I can easily structure a deal and make that work for me because I've been doing this a very, very long time and I'm very yeah. good at my job. Um, most founders would probably feel more comfortable if their celebrity had ownership because they think that the ownership will make them do more work. The truth of the matter is it's not, that's not the case. They're either bought in or they're not bought in. You can either buy them in over time and get them to like you and help you or you don't. And having equity is Mm -hmm. like nothing to them because it's such a, it's like a, it's a hypothetical, like this brand might blow up and it might not blow up. Now saying that we don't invest in anything that isn't led. Um, and the struck again goes, goes back to the structure of the deal. Again, you have to know the people that you're working with. For instance, I did, I recently did a deal. I know, I know I don't typically do deals anymore. I'm kind of like gone beyond that, but our agency does. And I got involved with a deal with a big A-list celebrity and they didn't care if they had equity. And the founder was like, they need to have equity. I was like, no, they 100% don't. Like this person gets it. Like she is like a dynamo. She's like really? so professional. Like she will do everything and more of the things that are on the contracts. And I know this because I've worked with her for 20 years. So you don't need to, and as a founder, like you don't want to give equity. You don't even want to give equity to investors. So if you can get a situation like that, mm-hmm. but most celebrities are not like that. Most celebrities are not interested or preoccupied in helping the brand grow they're helping they want to help their own profile right so again this goes back to aligning objectives Mm -hmm. how can you help them the more you can help them the more they will help you yeah exactly what they're passionate about sometimes too like i I, it was hard enough sometimes for me to get like an artist uh on set for their music video let alone their own music for their own music video you know what i mean that we had times where like rihanna would be smoking a joint in her trailer for an hour instead of being on set for a video but then when it comes to her business she's probably a little bit more engaged in fenty beauty and she's got great people she's She's got really good people around her right like that that's the most important thing is you have to have the people that have worked with celebrities that know how to drive the value out of the celebrities and like make it as little lift on the celebrity in question as possible. And it's hard. It's Mm -hmm. just hard work. And I don't think, I don't think founders really appreciate the amount of work that goes into it. What I love about you is that I would never like see Mark Andreessen doing this. Like he's not going to go with like A16Z and like build a celebrity background and know what to do. He probably doesn't even know who these people are. He's probably like confused and like you, you know, you can run circles around some of these big 
venture funds because you have dialed this into such a science. Yeah. And and the, and the thing is, is like, I mean, I've had somebody else ask me the other day, is like, do, do you need me to, do you need somebody to sign NDAs before? I was like, honestly, nobody, <laughs> nobody can repl replicate this because nobody has my experience. And like, I have just been doing mm. this and working on this thesis for my entire career. And I've just applied it to venture. It just happens that we're now doing it with capital. But like, I have years and years and years of relationships oh. on these people. And I'm not a talent agent. Like there's, I think there's a lot of talent agents that have kind of launched venture funds as well. And they'll have the same deal flow as me, maybe even better deal flow, arguably, but they can't assess deals mm. you know what i mean and and they can't grow brands that's not what they do well i'd love to hear what you think about it moving beyond brands and now getting into investing themselves we saw kim kardashian start her own private equity firm you know ryan reynolds is doing the same like how are some of these how is it how are you seeing this change the industry where now they're moving beyond celebrity owned products like skims was a huge success and now starting their own venture companies. So I um, am very interested in this generally, just because I, if I was Kim Kardashian or Ryan Reynolds, this is 150% what I would be doing. I mean, I'm doing it myself, but I'm not entirely sure where the value add is. And so when you start looking at growth funds, particularly, there mm. is like value in a bunch of things, experience, et cetera. A growth fund will, let's a $200 million growth fund. I reckon they're going to try to do 60 deals, maybe. Mm -hmm. Kim cannot promote 60 products because it devalues no, yeah. skims. It devalues her fragrance. It devalues stuff that she actually owns. So, so if she's not promoting these brands, where's the value of the what growth value? fund? Mm -hmm. And then how and she can't post 60 products on her Instagram. It would just look crazy. It, it, yeah. So I'm not, I don't know yet. And then, then the argument could be like the value of her network and then that could be good, but I don't know what that looks like either. So what I like yeah. about Marcy Ventures, which is the fund owned by Jay-Z and I mean, they're massive, but they're really good about it. And the value with, um, with Marcy Ventures is they own Rock Nation. So they own talent. Mm -hmm. They have, they, so when they have a deal, they have like, I think they have like 200 artists within their, their label. Mm -hmm. They have 200 artists that they can go to, to help promote, to do deals, to look at alignment, to do the music videos that you're producing and get them in. Kim doesn't have that. So I'm not yeah. entirely sure where the value proposition is. But again, if I was Kim, I would hundred percent be doing it. Yeah. And also, you know, some of these, the other value adds, some of these can add is like their ability to make organic content a lot more. Like, I think if you look at legacy businesses like Coca-Cola and some of these other brands, they're not as great at creating organic content as some of these influencers and celebrities are at creating content. Some of these people can just turn on their phone and create engaging YouTube videos and content like Mr. Beast is able to do. And then you see brands try to replicate that, like legacy brands that are big corporations try to replicate that and they don't really hit the nail on the head. How do you think that that content creation aspect is going to make some of these massive businesses struggle in terms of advertising? You can't just go make a two, $3 million Super Bowl ad anymore. You have to make a hundred YouTube videos and create engaging content for the consumer. I mean, that's the beauty of the fund. The whole, the whole point of this is your L'Oreal's, your General Mills, your like Estee Lauder's of the world can't do this. So what are they doing? Yeah. They're acquiring. 
They're the acquirers of these types of brands. So they're acquiring content, they're acquiring customers, they're acquiring the people who can make the content. That's why investing mm-hmm. in these types of brands is just so beneficial because you have a really clear path to exit. So they're facing this existential threat and they're just going and trying to buy as many companies as they can. There's a story I loved recently of uh, a founder who created Drunk Elephant. It became like a viral like Instagram kind of brand sold for a billion dollars to Shiseido. So they're going and buying up a lot of these social media based brands. They, they want to have access to a D2C audience and they don't have it. You know, their whole their their traditional mm-hmm. outlet is retailers. So uh, an mm-hmm. old tra- boring like Johnson and Johnson company doesn't have the kind of creative chops. And also people just don't believe it. You know, could you imagine yeah. Johnson and Johnson trying to like get like Clairol onto TikTok? <laughs> it would it would be absurd. It's absurd. Yeah. So like you you know, it's it's just the nature of the situation. Content distribution, all of that stuff is changing. And um most of the dinosaurs know that, which is why they're buying over and above. Like the multiples that you see on these business isn't isn't based necessarily just on revenue. It's based on the customers, it's based on the type of customer, young, Gen Z engaged on social media, like content creators, like all of this is why they're buying them. It's cheaper to acquire at a, at a higher value than it is to create. And most of the time they can't do it anyways, to the point that I was explaining with Clairol. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's, they can only do that for so long? Do you think there's a point where some of these content creator and celebrity creator brands just replace some of the legacy corporations out there? A hundred percent. Like I'm sure that eventually over time there'll be roll-ups. Like the... What I've seen in the our fund timeline, we've seen 240 brands kind of launch, right? Everybody's path to exit is these big conglomerates. And the whole reason is because they've got the capital to do it and they'll continue to do so. But I envision private equity funds will start rolling these up into bigger entities and then like actually pumping value out of it. I would say mm-hmm. that one tricky thing there is that the value for a conglomerate to buy this stuff is the stuff that we talked about is like content creation, customer stuff like that. And if you are just buying it and rolling them up into like creating the next LVMH, for instance, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to be as enticing to a founder when you're like staring down the ba- barrel of like an easy exit with a really, really high multiple. So that is what yeah. will come in. I don't think that's going to happen for like another 10 years though. So I'm not too worried about that mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> well, have what's can you tell me i'm sure you've had so many of them but can you tell me one of you before i let you go one of your favorite success stories is there something a product a brand a celebrity that you worked with that's one just stands out to you that you're just one of your favorite stories that you're super proud of i mean one of the things that i i've always really loved to do we we worked with a, a majestic athletic and if you don't know majestic athletic if you wear like an la dodgers hat or in new york whatever Mm -hmm. it's the company that basically creates it and they license out the sports teams and then they sell you the hats but the company that actually owns that is called majestic athletic and we did Mm -hmm. a deal with a really random music festival in croatia Uh, but the interesting thing is that they had something like twenty five thousand people in attendance all really young trendsetter type people really like very forward-thinking musicians and they had 14 stages Mm -hmm. 300 artists and we created like 
merch, but like in collaboration with the artists and the artists wore them for the whole week. But we had something like 500 million of like dollars of content recreated organically from people that went to the festival, just because I was like shoving these clothes on all of the artists being like, <laughs> like four in the morning, I'd be backstage being like, you should wear this hat. It looks so great. Um, and like, I love that because that, you know, it's a testament to like, that's the kind of stuff I do. Like I, I was there. I remember I got there the day before and like the step and repeat board wasn't done. I was like there in like 45 degree heat with like a nail gun trying to like get this thing set up and organized. And like, that's the level of commitment you should be getting from investors mm -hmm. that isn't happening in the venture community right now. And that's really what we deliver. Yeah, what I think is interesting about investing in your fund is that when you're not just investing in a celebrity-backed business, but you're investing in this future way of doing advertising, like this future way of getting uh, advertising dollars that are so intangible in the amount of you know, media buy that you can get from some of this content creation because there's so many different avenues that from TikTok to YouTube to all these different ways that they're reaching people. It's so much more than buying a $2 million Super Bowl ad that costs you $10 million with production costs. And, you know, the, it doesn't really convert much for you where, you know, some of the things that you guys are doing by investing in your fund, I can get hundreds of millions of dollars in media spend for the cost of nothing. I mean, and that's really yeah. when investing with you guys. I mean, that's, that's the whole point. Like we only started deploying capital in November. So we have, what is it? September. We've been going 10 months mm -hmm. in 10 months. We've made seven, um, seven investments of the seven investments. We've already had two acquisitions. In 10 months. Oh, wow. Are you allowed to say what those are? Uh, yeah. Happy Sake just got bought. It's crossed beverages, but Happy Sake is uh, founded by male model Jordan Barrett. And they also have Sesh with Cole Sprouse that just got acquired by Next Century Spirits, oh, wow. which is a distillery based in um, middle America, basically. Uh, and then our, our other one is in discussion. So I can't talk about that one, but that one will literally be massive and it will be on everybody's radar in like two months from now. Insane. So when someone invests in their fund, in your fund, they have the opportunity to experience some of this amazing upside. Well, they already have the upside. So like we're already 2x on performance. <laughs> so you come in with a million dollars, you've already made a million dollars. Um, so it's like it's but but again, it's I'm I'm not a genius by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just this is happening. This is the trend. Venture people are just not wise to it because it's not a venture type of investment. Yeah. You know, it's a marketing yeah. type of investment, which you get because you well, don't understand that. I love that you said that it's a marketing investment and there's not really another fund out there that has that marketing investment angle like you guys do where like I used to do a lot of commercials and the whole middle of commercials has totally disappeared. Now there's either like the games like PlayStation video games that spend five, $10 million in an ad or a Super Bowl commercial or like they spend next to nothing. The whole middle of advertising has kind of disappeared and what's replaced it is creating instead of doing one commercial for a million bucks they're doing a hundred commercials for a million bucks and spreading across a bunch of different creators a bunch of different influencers and you know making a bunch of small pieces of content on every platform that you can imagine so I, I, what i love is you guys are really focused on trying to explode brands through marketing channels as much as you can yeah 100 percent. have you have you ever been starstruck by any of the celebrities you've worked with? Who's your favorite celebrity? No, Who's your favorite actor? I've literally worked with like the biggest names. And like I went to Duran Duran's Christmas party. Like I used to hang out with oh, wow. Stones. Yeah, like I I am not easily starstruck ever. Um, but who would starstruck? Who would be your your number one that you want to work with? And who, who what brand would you want to create with somebody? Do you know? 
Do you know it's really? Cra- I mean, like, I would love to do something with David Attenborough, which is so crazy. Um, <laughs> but like, like, I love him. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love him? He's so amazing. He's like mm. great. I mean, like, I'm a big fan of Richard Branson, so I've worked with Richard for a number of years. I love that. I'm like, you can do. You could pick anybody. You pick somebody that not that many people know about. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but like, Especially Gen Z. They're like, who's that? Yeah, the, uh, Gen the Z other, has no idea who that the is. The other person that I really would love to do something with, which is never going to happen either, but like I would love to, like Heston Blumenthal, who's like really into ga- like food, gastrono- like gastronomy, and I'd mm. love to like figure out something with him. Um, but that, you know, those are just like my own personal interests. I've like, I'm just heavy into music. So like there's no, there's not a lot of, I mean, I've never met Brad Pitt. Like I know, like I've met Leonardo DiCaprio. Like there's not very many people mm. I haven't met, so I'm not easily starstruck. Yeah. Really, I love Brad Pitt's rosé though. It's actually really good rosé. You should do you should do something. You do another wine with him. I think he's like selling it now or something. He's got he's got another drink actually that's that's out. I think it's called Root, um, non-alcoholic. Oh, yeah, okay. he's got something that not a lot. It's an air one. Oh, amazing. Quickly, before I let you go, one last thing. How are you seeing like the health and wellness section going? And are celebrities getting more involved in that? Like you said, Brad Pitt has this non-alcoholic drink. Is there a segment of that that is blowing up a little bit more as people get more into that? And climate change, people want to be more involved. My idea when you mentioned David Attenborough was like, find him a climate change product that you can get him involved in. Um, uh, That's more of the stuff that I would like to do, truthfully. Um, I don't see it happening a lot, which is why we might get more involved. So I kind of mentioned we don't do deals ever uh, with the fund, but I can. And so there, for instance, you know, that kind of stuff is really important. And so on a personal level, I do want to kind of support, there's a couple companies that we are looking at that are kind of like sustainable food, uh, sustainable waste, all of that. And in order to really make those things blow up, like it re- it's relatively easy for us to make an introduction and then make the celebrity do something. That is a space that I would like to see more celebrities get behind um, because there's a better for you version for everything. And I think that yeah. is where really there's a lot of value for celebrities, but that's not typically where they go into. And I think the reason why is there's so much education and there's a lot of mixed feelings about it. So for everybody, I mean, not for everybody, I like there's for every like a hundred people who like love and want to help climate change. There's like one person who doesn't believe in it, you know? And so like that, <laughs> yeah. that's hard when you are supposed to appeal to yeah. all audiences. Again, this goes back to the day job when their day job is to be an actor or an actress. And it's all about like mm-hmm. being accessible and like, easy like they don't want to they want to get behind stuff but they don't want to rock the boat most of them yeah i think what's interesting is looking at the different demographics of and ages of people i have a nine-year-old niece who i've probably spent hundreds of dollars on this mckenzie products from this influencer that she's obsessed with and she'll sit in front of the tv and watch unpackaging videos of toys and watch like crazy stuff for hours a day and then send me links to it on iMessage and I have to buy them for her. And the amount of money that these people are making is insane. So the way that they're marketing to young people today yeah. is crazy. I mean, that's why we made the investment in Invisible Universe. You know, that their, their whole target audience is a younger tween market. And those kind of things and those kind of products is massive. I mean, one of the things that I said to somebody else really was, I, you know, my favorite movie is Death Becomes Her. It's like from the 80s. I've seen it maybe 53 mm-hmm. times. Um, I have a two-year-old son. I have seen Moana like 294 times, like at least. Probably. Like <laughs> it's, it's always on because that's just like, and it's just like <laughs> the level of consumption 
for younger people is like off the chart. And to your point about your niece, you know, they want to, they want to do stuff as well. And so we, we want to do that in a really great way um, with really cool products mm -hmm. that is, that are accessible. But yeah, I mean, that's the future really. That's why I like what you said, the better for you products for them. Like she eats a bunch of pizza pockets. Can I get her a healthier 100%. version of that? But the amount of consumption, they consume almost way more than we do, where she consumes so much content all day. She comes home from school and the first thing she does is FaceTime her friends and watch YouTube videos. And she's able to convert so much more because when she begs me for Roblox dollars or whatever they're called and um, buys like influencer backed toys, I just have to do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> very uh, manipulation. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're really good. They're they're I'm, you guys should be investing in in those manipulative uh, tactics. Um, I could talk to you about this stuff for hours. I think everyone should check out your books, Rule Breaker and Pinpoint. Um, you know, uh, how what made you want to write those before we go? Like, did you was there something that you were doing in your career at that point when you started Rule Breaker? So Pinpoint was my first book, and I had sold Slingshot, and I wanted to leave everything that I had learned about sponsorship in a disseminating piece of information because I really felt that a lot of people don't understand sponsorship and it's not rocket science. And a lot of people are trying to get sponsorship. So I wrote Pinpoint mm -hmm. just as like a kind of my sponsorship legacy thing. I didn't ever want to do an agency type. I didn't think I was ever going to do an agency type marketing role again. Um, and then that became an Amazon bestseller. And because of that, I got approached wow. by a publisher to write a book. And I said, well, what do you want me to write it, uh, it write it on? And she said, well, whatever you think. And I'm like, I don't know. And so we started talking about like leadership and female leadership. And so, um, and then I was like maybe hemming and hawing about, about it. And then I got pregnant by, not by accident, but it was not planned. I got, <laughs> I got pregnant and I was like, what am I, what am I going to do for nine months while I'm pregnant? Oh, I might as well take, take this book on. So I wanted to kind of share my thoughts about leadership, but I also interview some really amazing leaders. Um, all over, like in lots of different sectors. And it, the great part about that is I was, I wasn't even at the point that I am at now and thinking about adventure, but it's actually a really good thesis for the type of founders that we invest in. And so I talk about, mm -hmm. you know, you have to really love what you do. You have to want to wake up every day and like be obsessed about it. And that, that kind of leader is the type of leader we invest in. And how do you look at female leaders and like, how are you trying to foster and nurture getting more female leaders and founders in your fund? So the great thing about me is that I'm female <laughs> uh, and there are 4% of females in senior roles of funds. They don't have a number for female fund managers, like actual GPs, but if 4% are like senior partners, like I am guessing it's less than 1%. So just being yeah. a solo GP female is like a big thing. I'm also half Chinese, which most people don't know. Um, and so, uh, you know, I spend most of my a lot of time. I went to university in Beijing. Um, and so I, oh, wow. you know, have a different type of understanding about what diversity is. And so inherently, I don't look at women like they're stupid. Um, and, <laughs> and I don't think that, you know, people of different races don't have something to add because I, that is because that is who I am. And so just like the whole adventure is like middle like middle class or well, not middle class, but like white middle-aged men, you know, mm -hmm. they like to invest in white middle-aged men. I am a half Chinese young female 
I have a bigger propensity to invest in types of those types of people that look like me as well. And so I think just having me being a GP will change the type of investments yeah. that we make. But I wouldn't like, listen, we're still a venture capital fund. I'm still here to make money. And I, and I don't invest with the lens of we only invest in females. We only invest with diversity because I really am mm. investing in the best companies. Yeah, but it takes that bias away where you might see, you might find a a better opportunity because you don't have that bias of like, I need to find a a successful white young guy. Um, That's amazing. I could talk to you about this celebrity stuff for hours. We'll have to have you back on again. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I really appreciate having you on. It's such an interesting, constantly changing and evolving world and space as we see technology change around us and the way celebrities embrace it. So thank you for coming on. And I'd love to have you on again to talk more about your books because I think Rule Breaker is such a good one for people to to read and check out. We're going to link to it in the show notes of the episode. Thank you again so much, Jackie. Thanks for having me.